welcome to the Lionheart Dimension. I'm your host, Richard Lionheart Simmons. And welcome back, Richard the Lionheart here with you. Hope you're having an amazing day. Today I want to talk to you about uh, Passover. You know, we hear a lot about Passover, and it is, in fact, uh, a celebration of the Jewish people uh, coming out of Egypt. But, um, you know, we observe uh, Passover. We look at Passover. We observe what God has done. Amen. Uh, Hallelujah. Now, let me say this to you. Um, In this observation, it's it's not a a command or a a law for us to do, uh, but as Christian people, as believers of the Most High God, amen, um, it's our place to just observe what God has done, amen, and His goodness. So let's discuss that now, the Passover and um, what it is, hallelujah. So Passover is celebrated, and it's celebrated because God literally um, delivered the Jewish people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. They had been there uh, for many years, enslaved by Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh's representative was Moses, okay? And you're going to see that in this discussion we're having today, it literally took God to bring 10 plagues and an ultimate opening of the waters to deliver the people out of Egypt. Ultimately, bringing them to their promised land. So let's start here. Um, Jacob and his children, they arrive in Egypt to be with Joseph. Joseph now, he's the second in command to Pharaoh, who is a king. And with his ingenuity... He had saved the people of Egypt. He had saved them. You say, how did he save them? Well, they were going through death by famine. And he allowed them to come and eat. He allowed them to come and receive. Glory to God. Now. As long as Jacob's sons were alive, the children of Israel uh, were honored and respected. But what happened when Joseph passed away? What happened when he died? A new king arose in Egypt, and it was not Joseph. Some commentaries actually record... In Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, uh, it, it says, And he said to his people, Behold, the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. Wow. Lest they multiply. Come, let us control them. Come, let us destroy them. Come, let us keep them from multiplying. Does that sound like anything uh, you're familiar with today? So ultimately, though, 
going back to this story, enslavement, enslavement. The Egyptians' way of dealing with this problem of the Jews was to enslave them, to control them. It was really cruel. They, they forced these Jewish folks to come into labor that was very difficult. Very difficult. In fact, they were made to build cities of treasure, houses of treasure for Pharaoh. Now, here's the interesting thing. During this time period where he's trying to stop them from multiplying, the Jewish people continue to multiply. Pharaoh's looking at this. He is freaking out. And this increase, this multiplication is taking place at a very frightening pace. So Pharaoh is in the mindset that he's got to put a stop to this multiplication. What does he do? He summons uh, the Jewish midwives. And he commands these Jewish midwives that they are going to kill all of the Jewish newborn males. This would be the male children. Now, in the, in the mind of Pharaoh, he's thinking this is going to put an end to the propagation of this Jewish race. So the midwives, ultimately, they defy the order of Pharaoh. They defy Pharaoh's order. And he commands that they cast all these newborn males into the river called Nile. Now, one thing to take note of here. Uh, Pharaoh's stargazers had made a prediction that the Savior of the Jews, that would be Jesus, would die through water. That was their prediction. So Pharaoh's hopes, his plan to ensure this early death of this Savior was going to be... be, um, to kill all of these newborn males. He did not want this new potential Jewish leader arising. Well, here comes along the scene Moses. Moses is born and Moses is kept with with his mother for about three months. She's able to to hide him, to conceal him for about three months. However, it becomes challenging. She's no longer able to hide him. So she builds a cradle that is able to float in the water, in the River Nile. And she puts Moses in this cradle. Moses' sister uh, named Miriam goes in the water and she's hiding among the brush in the water to watch Moses go downstream. Now downstream, Pharaoh's daughter is coming out to bathe in the river and here she sees Moses floating down the river in this cradle. Now, at this point, the the baby is not called Moses. 
she uh, approaches the baby and she opens the swaddling and she sees a weeping baby and she then understands and realizes, wow, this is a Jewish child. But compassion overtakes her. Compassion overtakes her. She makes the resolution at that point to take this newborn baby, or I want to say newborn, three-month-old baby, home. At this point, she names Moses. Amen? She calls the baby Moses. Now, the name Moses, interestingly enough, means he who was drawn from the water. I think it's interesting how Moses was found floating down the river and ultimately as he delivered the people as we'll see here in the future of this broadcast saved them by the very closing of the water such a powerful story let's move forward though so Miriam the sister approaches the princess and offers to find a wet nurse for the baby. So Pharaoh's daughter, she accepts the offer. Miriam brings her uh, Jehoshaphat, whom Pharaoh's daughter hires to nurse and care for this uh, young child, Moses. So Moses grows over time, and as he grows over time, He is then taken and returned into the palace with Pharaoh's daughter, where Pharaoh's daughter at that time raises Moses as uh, her own son. So Moses is now a young man, and he's taken and he is appointed as a leader. Moses at this time leaves, uh, leaves the palace that he's living in and begins to become aware of the difficulties and the hardships and the enslavement that's taken place to his fellow Israelite brethren. As Moses is looking, he sees the Egyptians beating the Hebrew people, even killing the, 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 uh, them. The next day, he sees two Jews fighting, two Israelite Jews fighting. He goes over and he admonishes them. And they he basically backlash on him about what he did the previous day. And the previous day, he had actually murdered uh, one of the Egyptians for beating the Israelite. Wow. So at this point, Moses has no choice and he is forced to, to run. He's forced to take off and to flee uh, to Midian. Now, when he gets there, he then rescues Jethro's daughters 
and uh, marries one of them. Uh, Zipporah is her name. And becomes a shepherd of his father-in-law's flocks of the animals. Why Moses is off uh, with Zipporah and raising the father-in-law's flocks, this situation with the children of Israel uh, in Egypt is worsening. It's becoming much worse. And they are crying out to God now. It's recorded their, their cries rose up to God. So Moses is doing his thing. He's shepherding uh, the father-in-law's flock. And he comes upon a burning bush. And this burning bush, God appears to Moses and he instructs him. He instructs Moses to go to Pharaoh and demand, let my people go so they may serve me. And that would be serve God. Now, Moses has been appointed by God as this spokesman to go forth. So Moses goes forth into Egypt, and Moses and Aaron, they bring together the elders of Israel. They call them to an assembly to tell them that the time of their redemption has come. It's arrived. God has heard their prayers. The people this time choose to believe. But Pharaoh refuses to let God's people go. In fact, he even now intensifies the suffering they're already going through, working. So the suffering of the people of Israel by Pharaoh now has been increased. He's taken the labor of these Hebrew slaves slaves, and increased it. Moses is having a very challenging time carrying this burden, dealing with this pain of what's going on. So Moses, he comes to God and he says, why have you done evil to this people? But God reaffirms to Moses, God tells Moses and gives him a promise that the redemption of the Israelite people, the the redemption of these Jews is very close at hand. In fact, he says, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. So God makes a a revelation. God reveals himself to Moses. And he brings forth the employment of basically four expressions of how these 
Egyptians are going to be redeemed. I'm sorry, how the Israelites are going to be redeemed from the Egyptians. There we go. He promises to take out the children of Israel from Egypt to deliver them. To take them away from being slaves. To take them away from being beaten. To deliver them. To redeem them. And acquire them. Watch this. As his own chosen people. In fact, God's plan is to bring them to the land that he's promised them. We many times hear this as the promised land. And in that promised land, they're going to receive their eternal heritage. So it's God's plan to deliver them. Now, Pharaoh has a a hardened heart to the situation. Pharaoh, we find that he repeatedly is refusing to do what God is asking. So let's look deeper into that. Moses and Aaron repeatedly come before Pharaoh to, to demand what God has told them to demand. Let my people go so they may serve me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh, of course, he's repeatedly refusing God's request. It's reported that Aaron's staff actually turns into a snake and swallows the magic sticks of the Egyptian sorcerers, the workers of magic, the workers of the enemy. But Pharaoh, at this point, still is refusing to let God's people go. So Moses, he warns him. He warns Pharaoh and says, God will smite Egypt if you do not comply. Of course, Pharaoh is hard-hearted. He's thick-headed. He remains impervious. So God then begins to send a series of plagues Upon the Egyptians. Notice how God tried to deal with Pharaoh in a very peaceful way up front, multiple times. But (laughs) Pharaoh was thick headed, he was hard hardened, and he would not comply. So God had no choice but to bring on these plagues. So, at this point, We're going to see that in each plague, Pharaoh will have a momentary lapse of heart and he will say, okay, I'll promise to let your children go. But he always reneges. A series of these plagues that we're talking about, um, let's talk about that for a moment. The first first was Aaron uh, striking the Nile and the water then turned into blood. That would be plague number one. The second plague would be a swarm of frogs that overran the Egyptian land. The third would be an infestation of lice on um, all men and all animals. 
Imagine that. And still, Pharaoh would not comply with the Lord. The fourth plague was hordes of uh, wild animals begin to invade the cities. Hordes of them, tons of them. Fifth plague, a pestilence kills the domestic animals. Imagine that. A pestilence comes upon the land and kills all of the domestic animals. The sixth plague were painful boils that afflicted the Egyptians. Imagine that. Resisting God this much, it continues to intensify to the very place that boils were developing on their bodies. And yet, Pharaoh still refuses. Seventh plague is fire and ice. It was combined and came out of the sky. Is a crazy, devastating... Excuse me, hellstorm. Wow. Wow, that's pretty intense. Now, Moses and God are talking. The people of Egypt. <clears throat> had suffered too much. Way too much. Pharaoh has continued to request being made to let the Jews go. So Moses comes down to warn Pharaoh of the eighth plague. Remember, we've had seven plagues up to this point. Pharaoh now comes down to warn, I'm sorry, Moses now comes down to warn Pharaoh of the eighth plague. So Pharaoh tells Moses, you say that you want to go serve your God. I'll let the men go as long as the women and children stay behind. So (laughs) Moses' response is no. We must all go. Men, women, and children. Cattle and herds. And of course, Pharaoh once again refuses. So here comes the next set of plagues. The eighth plague to come upon Egypt was a swarm of locusts that devoured all of the crops. Everything that was green was eaten. It was devoured. It was destroyed. The ninth plague was a thick palpable darkness that came in and enveloped the very land of Egypt. So at this point the Israelites are given instruction to bring a Passover offering to God. This would be, in those days, a lamb or even a kid uh, to be slaughtered, and the blood was to be sprinkled on the doorpost of every Israelite home. This would uh, basically show God and his angel that they should uh, pass by over 
these particular homes. So when he comes to, to kill the Egyptian firstborn, it's not going to touch the Israelite homes. The meat that was roasted from that offering was to be eaten that night together with what they call matzah. This is a, a uh, unleavened bread, bread that had no yeast to rise. And it was taken with bitter herbs. Now, here comes the tenth plague. God brings now the tenth plague upon Egypt. And the tenth plague is this. All the firstborn of Egypt are killed at the stroke of midnight. This happened on the 15th of uh, the month of what they call Nisan. That's the power of the angels. Very quick and rapid. So the death of the firstborn finally breaks Pharaoh's heart, finally breaks the hardened heart, his resistance. And Pharaoh now has a changed heart. He actually is begging, begging that the children of Israel leave his land immediately. Following God's command, they hastily depart Israel, um, Egypt, rather. And the interesting part, when you look at this, they, they left so quickly, they left in such haste, that there was no time at all for this bread to rise. The dough could not rise because there was no time. So the only provision, the only food that they were to take along was what? That's right, the unleavened bread, the matzah. Before they left, they made requests to their Egyptian neighbors for gold and silver, uh, garments and such. Uh, Egypt was a really very wealthy nation, a nation with uh, a lot of resources. The children of Israel are now commanded to observe this anniversary of what they call the Exodus uh, every year. And they, they do this out of a place of removing all leaven from their possessions, out of their houses, their homes, their possession, for a period of seven days. And this time they eat matzah, which is the unleavened bread, and they share this story of redemption to their children. Let me close with this. And this is just the craziness of Pharaoh. Soon after Pharaoh allowed the children of Israel to depart from Egypt, from such a intense 10th plague of the firstborn of Egypt all being killed, here comes Pharaoh chasing after the Israelites to try to force them to return. And the Israelites find themselves trapped between Pharaoh's armies and the sea. God again tells Moses, Moses, raise your staff over the water. 
And as he does, the sea splits and makes allowance for the Israelites to pass safely through. As the Israelites are passing safely through, Pharaoh continues to pursue them. The Egyptians are pursuing them. And as the Egyptians enter the sea and the Israelites are delivered to the other side safely, the sea closes in over the Egyptians and there's no longer a threat. Moses and the children of Israel sing songs of praise and gratitude to God and their thankfulness. It's interesting to look at this story. I'm always intrigued by the truth of this. In fact, the truth is that archaeologists and others have actually found chariots and other items in that opening of the sea that was closed that really prove the truth of the story. But I'm always intrigued that it took 10 plagues and even after the 10th plague being so harsh Pharaoh continued to pursue but I'm equally intrigued that God started out trying to give direction and correction and as he wasn't listened to the plagues begin to increase and increase and increase that proves one thing to me that God is a God of love But when he's not listened to, he does bring correction. Praise the Lord. Well, I hope this time of sharing this um, view of the Passover with you guys was uh, helpful. I hope it uh, really opened your eyes to um, everything that unfolded there. And... Let us as Christians, as believers, let us come to a place of really wanting to surrender before the Lord and be obedient. You know, the Bible says obedience is greater than sacrifice. To be obedient, to serve him. Amen. To not not ignore what he's telling us, but to be obedient and to walk in his blessings and the fullness of his love. Hope you are blessed by this. The Lord bless you and keep you in his face shine upon you and his peace go with you in Jesus' name. This is Richard the Lionheart. You can check us out at lhgm.org, lhgm.org. Or if you're on Facebook, please feel free to come by and check us out on Facebook. We are at The Lionheart Dimension. That is The Lionheart Dimension. You can also visit us at Champions Network. And if you need prayer, I encourage you to come on over to the Champions Prayer Strike Zone. Have an absolutely amazing day in Jesus' name. I'll see you next time.